Welcome to Home Hive. I am Kristen Krebs and I'm here with my amazing co-host Jennifer Cortez. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Shauna Welsh Levin um, from SoCal Realty Law. Welcome, Shauna. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kristen and Jennifer. I really appreciate you having me on your show, and I am very happy to help give people the information that they need, uh, in particular landlords who need to know some some stuff about the California eviction moratorium. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, um, so right now, I mean, we're, we're living through some unprecedented times. We're, you know, still living through a longer season of COVID, and I say that generally, of COVID-19. Um, but in saying that, this, this pandemic has uh, created a lot of changes across our country, across the world, and obviously in our state of California, Southern California and San Diego specifically. Um, so that being said, we're in an unprecedented time, whether we're buying real estate, selling real estate, or renting real estate. So in, in talking about that, can you share with us a little bit more for the on the topic of the San Diego eviction moratorium and really what's happening now, what people can expect and how we can you know learn from that? Absolutely. I'd be happy to share some of that information. And uh, I have been studying this and doing webinars on this topic because I'm a real estate attorney and about a third of my practice is landlord services. You know, we set ourselves apart from any kind of eviction mill because we are really putting ourselves out there to help landlords to know what they can do today to get ready for what's going to happen tomorrow. So with regard to the eviction moratorium in particular, Everything is on hold with the courts, um, and we're bracing for what's going to happen when the courts start allowing us to go forward with eviction. So I can tell you I've got a number of landlord clients who have tenants who are not paying. And um, what we've tried to do is help them with what they can do now, so creative options to work things out, to keep some money coming in, to cover their expenses so that these landlords don't end up in foreclosure. You know, so that the landlords can, you know, landlords are suffering too. It's not just the tenants who have lost their jobs, but it's the landlords who are losing their rent. Um, so, you know, in particular with the, the state of California, the entire state of California is under an eviction moratorium that is being imposed by the California Judicial Council. The California Judicial Council publishes the California Rules of Court. And on April 6th, they issued a number of emergency rules relating to COVID. Two of those rules, rule number one and rule number four, work together and essentially tell all of the courts in the state that they are not allowed to issue a summons in an unlawful detainer case. An unlawful detainer case is an eviction case. Those two names are synonymous. So the courts can't issue a summons in that kind of case until 90 days after the state of emergency is lifted or until the rules are, are changed. So Shana, just, just um, quickly, because I think that's really important what you just said. So it's 90 days after it ends. Correct. So 90 days after the governor says, okay, we're no longer in a state of emergency. And you know, they've just issued another round of state of emergency and put all these counties, 14 counties on hold for reopening. Uh, we have no idea when the state of emergency will be lifted, but what we think will happen first is that the, the council will sunset the rules. 
realizing that people need to start moving these cases forward. Um, there was going to be a vote on that to sunset the rules on August 3rd, and then they just decided not to vote. The, the uh, presiding judge of the Judicial Council said, we're canceling the vote, we're not going to do it. And we haven't heard anything since. So we have no idea when we will be able to move eviction cases forward. We can file them. The courts are open. We can file the complaint. But when we file the summons, the court gives it back to us with an instruction about why they're giving it back to us. And the only exception is if the landlord, the tenant is creating a public health and safety issue, which is the broad term. The court gets to interpret that term. So you can go in and you can ask the court for permission to move forward if there's a, a bigger problem going on than just non-payment of rent. So the definition of public health and safety is something that you kind of have to, if your client is ready, they can send us as their, their attorneys into court and say, hey, you know, we want to ask the court for permission to move forward because these people are creating a bigger problem. You know, they are destroying the property. They, uh, and in fact, that might not be a public health and safety problem. Um, but if you have like the police have come and said, you got to clear this property out because they're doing something illegal, they're dealing drugs, they're trafficking or something, uh, then that might be one, one reason. So uh, the other side of this is the local side where the governor gave local jurisdictions permission to do their own rules to primarily these rules have to do with rent deferment and protecting the tenants, excusing them from paying rent while all of this is going on, while people have lost their jobs and they, they just don't have the money to pay rent. And so what we're seeing is that every city, as well as the county, you know, we're in San Diego County. So the city of San Diego has its own ordinance, the city of Chula Vista, the city of National City, and then the unincorporated area of the county Oceanside, they all have their own ordinance. There are hundreds of these ordinances across the state and attorneys have to focus on where is the property and how do we deal with this? So the San Diego ordinance has been extended to the end of September. Initially, the San Diego ordinance said that tenants can defer their rent by giving notice to the landlord and then following up within a week to provide written documentation of their hardship, their COVID-related hardship. So they have to have a COVID-related hardship. They have to communicate in writing with the landlord, provide the documentation, and then they don't have to pay rent. Um, that initially said that these tenants who have deferred rent must pay in full on September 25th. But now that ordinance has been uh, extended to September 30th. And to my knowledge, and I should have looked this up this morning, but to my knowledge, they didn't reset a date for when the rent would become due. And we assume that this is going to continue to be continued until the state of emergency is lifted. So, so if if I'm understanding this correctly, so you're you're a tenant and or you're a landlord and either expecting to receive this money as rent and or you're the tenant and expected at some point expected to pay this. Let's just say your rent is two thousand dollars a month, and so it's been May, June. July, August, maybe September. So that's that's just five months. That's not including April. Right. That's 10 grand that they're going to have to pay at once? That would be the expectation. And uh, there's legislation 
that is proposing um, that they will have 12 months to pay it back. So if that legislation passes, it will say that the tenants who have deferred rent will have 12 months. And, and that will work together with all these local ordinances to, I think, provide instruction to the landlords and the tenants about how they're going to work this out. And that is also intended to avoid a huge wave of evictions, which our system wouldn't be able to handle. And in my opinion, you know, the courts won't be able to handle it. Where are these people going to go? So there will be more coming to try to deal with the situation that we see in front of us. And all while this is happening, the landlords still have to pay their mortgage. So they're out the 10 grand for the five months that we're giving this example for, and they still got to pay their mortgage Mm -hmm. with maybe an unknown date of when they're actually going to get their rent back. That's an excellent point. You know, yeah, the landlords are suffering. They're not getting the money that they rely on to keep these investment properties up and running. And they can choose to go out of business if they can't pay the mortgage. They can let it go to foreclosure. That's perfectly legal. But they don't want to do that. Um, The mortgage companies, the lenders are responding to this. And the CARES Act also responds to this by saying um, that the, they, the lenders can defer the mortgage payments as well. So, you know, if the if the homeowner, the property owner, the landlord applies with their lender for this kind of relief, then their lender will defer the payments on the mortgage. So while the rent is being deferred, so is the mortgage. The, the balance will come if the tenants can pay and they pay on time, then the landlords will be able to pay. And as we've seen in the past, you know, back in 2008 to to 2012, 2014, loan modifications will also come into play, I predict. Mm, Yeah. Wow. It's it's a really (laughs) tough situation and um, it's, it's unpredictable, but we'll see a lot of legislation and we'll see a lot of people trying to work things out. I call it juggle and struggle. (laughs) Um, I do another webinar all about juggle and struggle, you know, all the different ideas that landlords, whether it's residential or commercial property can do. And really the solutions for residential are different from the solutions for commercial. And we're talking about different reasons for non-payment and different uh, financial ability to pay, um, different motivations to stay in the property versus to just leave. So it's going to be quite a a lengthy recovery and an interesting recovery. Yeah. So I'm curious, if you're a homeowner, where do you go to find out these updates? Oh my gosh. Um, So where do I go to find out updates is um, the California Association, I'm sorry, the California Apartment Association has the links to the cities on their website. So if you want to look up the local ordinances, um, you could either go straight to the city's website or the county's website. You have to figure out exactly where the property is situated. So like if you're looking in Los Angeles, there's the city and the county and they're completely different. Similar to San Diego, but like in San Diego, we kind of know that we're in San Diego, the city of San Diego or the city of Chula Vista. If you're in Los Angeles County, uh, maybe I'm just not as familiar <laughs> with LA as I am with San Diego. But anyway, you want to go to the local government entities website and they have this stuff published right on the front page. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. 
Um, before, uh, so Shannon, just before we get into the next bullet point, um, when, when are your clients reaching out to you and when should they, is there like a preventative or is this, or are the majority of your clients reaching out to you in a reactive because they have to, um, situation? I only say that just to inform our audience, um, of homeowners, or if they're going to, if they're intending to buy a property and rent part of it out or all of it out, or if they're currently renting right now, if, if they're currently leasing it out to some, to a tenant. So I usually hear from people when they need me, which is usually when they're not receiving the rent, you know, when the tenant is late on the rent and, and generally people have tried to work something out already and they come to me with the situation. Um, we started, my office started offering free webinars because we were receiving so many general calls about the moratorium and about what's happening. You know, this started way back in April. And so we have been offering this information, like what I'm giving you today for free so that everybody is aware. And then when they have a situation or if they want to be proactive about the situation, then they would contact us. But we find that people are less proactive and more reactive. Is there any way to be more proactive, like a source maybe to go to, to kind of stay aware of what's going on or what their options are? I'm just curious. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and you have two kinds of tenants, especially I'm thinking mostly in residential contexts because commercial is, is so much more complicated. But in residential contexts, you have tenants who are taking advantage and won't pay until they have to. And then they'll figure it out. Or you have tenants who are, I think most people, like most people want to pay, want to stay, don't want to burden their landlord uh, or get into a conflict. And they are either addressing it or they're avoiding it. So the proactive landlords reach out to the tenants, open the lines of communication, try to understand what they're going through request the documentation that the tenants are supposed to be providing anyway, letting them know that they're supposed to provide written notice that they're not going to pay the rent and written documentation of the hardship. And then we've created some forms for things like a, a payment deferment agreement or a move out agreement if the tenant can't pay. Um, entering into the premises when landlords want to show it to a new tenant or they want to sell it, you know, that's another issue where they need to communicate. So yeah, opening the lines of communication and addressing it directly, at least then the landlord knows what they're dealing with. And I just heard from one landlord whose tenant finally started receiving their unemployment benefits. They got their CARES Act money. You know, they got their money from the, the government and whatever other uh, assistance they applied for. And they did become current once they got that money. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> it gives, gives people hope. <laughs> yes. And then the um, San Diego Housing Commission has another program that they're doing kind of on a lottery basis where the tenant applies for $4,000 of assistance. And if the tenant gets the assistance, then the landlord gets that money directly. Wow. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> you can apply on their website, the San Diego Housing Commission. I think it's sbhc.com. You know, maybe I shouldn't say just Google San Diego Housing Commission. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I mean, that's amazing. So there are resources out there. I also, I mean, 
we haven't even seen the, obviously the full impact of this. I mean, from, from the financial, from the 2008 financial collapse, everything that we've learned from there, even just on the, on the financing side for on the lending financing side, um, we're going to continue learning. We're going to have to keep adapting all of us. And I mean, we are in, you know, having lived through the time that we've gotten through so far, we're still living through an unprecedented pandemic. And we're all learning, whether you're a tenant, whether you're a landlord, whether you're in the process of potentially looking to um, buy a property or another property, whether you're looking to buy a property that has an additional unit, whether that's an ADU or um, a full-size unit, if you will. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much to know right now. Um, is there anything, before we get to um, talking specifically about rent controllers, is there any other information that you would like to share directly um, to landlords? Um, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the takeaway is to, uh, really the biggest takeaway is that there are things we can do now to avoid or address the eventual round of evictions. You know, it, you don't have to just wait it out. You can you can take action so that when the time comes, and we're going to roll with the punches because we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, that, that there are things that can be done. Yeah, great. And of course, they would reach out to you in order to get those things done. <laughs> That's what I would propose, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, let's talk about rent control since we've kind of brought up the topic a little bit, touched on it. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Of course. And, you know, I studied this back in December and January when um, the new law, the AB 1482 law was being passed. It's the rent cap and just cause eviction law. And I thought this was the most difficult thing I was going to have to deal with this year. You know, <laughs> this was really going to complicate my life a lot to get a hold of this to understand the information and apply it. And boy, was I wrong. You know, it just <laughs> ended up being so much different than I expected. Um, so the the rent cap and just cause eviction applies to some residential properties. And many residential properties are exempt. But regardless of whether the residential property is exempt or not, the landlords have to issue notices to the tenants. And those notices are due August 1st. Um, the penalty for not sending the notice to the tenant is if you then have to evict that tenant, your eviction might fail. They can raise as a defense of the eviction that you didn't give them the proper notice. And the notice states whether the property is exempt or not exempt. There are two different ones. The, the verbiage that goes in the notice is written in the statute, the new statute that was created by the AB 1482 legislation. So you go to the statute or, you know, the realtors have forms. I have my form. You can probably find forms online with the appropriate language. And if the property is not exempt from the rent cap, meaning that the rent cap and the just cause do apply to that property, then that notice informs the tenant of their rights, their new rights. Um, and then if it is exempt, that notice tells the tenant that this property is exempt and they don't have these new rights. So, you know, the the actual analysis of the, I'm, I'll try to summarize, it's really hard to summarize because it's very detailed and it's kind of like a funnel. The first thing that we do is we identify whether the property is exempt or not exempt. And then if the property is is not exempt, then we have to say, okay, landlord, what are you trying to do? 
Are you trying to raise the rent? The rent cap part is actually fairly simple. The landlord cannot raise the rent more than 5% in a rolling year, in a 12-month period, um, plus, so it's 5% plus the cost of living. Cost of living is identified in lots of different indexes. You can look up the, um, the consumer price index is the one that I use. That's published by the Department of Labor. Uh, and it currently says as of May, which was the last time it was published, that the consumer price index has gone up 0.1%. So as of today, the rolling year, the landlord cannot raise the rent more than 5.1%. They can raise the rent twice per year, but the, the total cannot be more than 5.1%. Um, so then the just cause eviction side of the statute is much more complicated. Um, it adds a lot to the process that we we used to go, we still go through. And, you know, it only adds to the difficulty. If you know anything about California landlord-tenant law, it was already known to be very tenant-friendly, very technical, and this is just making it a lot more technical. Um, some of those requirements, in addition to the notices that I told you, is a, a relocation assistance if you're doing a no-fault eviction. So at fault versus wow. no fault uh, means wow. that if the tenant has created the situation, like they have not paid rent, uh, then they are at fault for their own eviction. If the landlord just needs to move into the property because he's lost his other property or sold his other property, that's not the tenant's fault. And so the landlord has to pay one month of relocation assistance. So, you know, that's just one little part of the statute. There's so much more to it. So to clarify, for relocation assistance, what does that include? Are we talking like movers and rent and any other costs associated with that? <laughs> it's exactly one month of rent. So the landlord owes the tenant one month of rent and they have to designate in the notice that they give, the three-day notice. Um, actually, it, it could be could be a three-day, a 30-day, or a 60-day notice. Um, but in whatever kind of notice they they provide for the no-fault eviction, they have to designate how they're going to pay that relocation assistance. And they have two choices. One is to credit the last month of rent, and the other is to pay one month of rent within 15 days of giving the notice. Okay. Yeah. So they can't even take the deposit and apply that, right? That's not... That's that's correct. California law doesn't allow the, the landlord to apply the deposit until the tenant has vacated unless they agree otherwise. And that, there's some flexibility there. You know, I, it depends on the circumstances. But yeah, technically, they can't use the deposit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Making it quite challenging. <laughs> I bet they're going to keep you busy this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Something else that you mentioned is that this is inapplicable every, across the board. So is there a, is there a map? Is there some type of system that our region has, or I mean, I don't know, Cal, that would be a robust system for California to have, at least for our local area, for San Diego specifically. Um, is there a, a place that you can type in an address? Does it tell you that? Or is this a lot more complicated to find out? I'm not aware of one for San Diego County, but I was very pleased to learn that when I was looking up uh, a property in Los Angeles, 
to find out if it was subject to the rent stabilization ordinance up there. They also reported whether they had, they have also analyzed those properties under the AB 1482 exemption. And it told me not only was that property in, in this particular case, it was not subject to the rent stabilization ordinance, but it was also not known to be subject to AB 1482. Um, my advice would be to talk to an attorney to confirm that because you don't want to file an eviction and then lose because you haven't complied with the statute. Um, so it's always best to make sure that that's confirmed. But, you know, I, I was very interested to know, and that was all by text message up in LA County. Um, if there is one in San Diego, I would love to know, but I just don't think that San Diego has the reason to do it as much as they have in LA because of the, the rent stabilization up there. Yeah. So, to, sorry, to clarify, for the notice, I mean, you have to provide a notice one way or the other, right? It's not just in case something like this were to occur, like, this notice has to be given to your tenant regardless. To every dwelling, every dwelling. And, you know, it's not just residential one to four units, it's every dwelling. Wow. Any apartment building, any single family residence, and everything in between. Okay. So in order to find out which notice you need to be giving, whether it be, what's, what's the name of the first one? Exempt, exempt <laughs> or non-exempt, yes. Exempt or non-exempt, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, you would need to contact your attorney first, right? In order to find out which notice you need to be giving. So you don't want to get the wrong notice, obviously. Yeah, um, even, a, even a real estate broker who's very knowledgeable should not be analyzing the statute because it's legal advice. So to be sure, you do have to have a legal advisor who's licensed to, to make the analysis for you. Gotcha. Okay. And that's something you can do, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <of course>. Okay. <laughs> so working with an attorney who specializes and who practices this specific type of law is probably most preferred. Right. Yes. You know, of course I would say that, but I, I also don't think a lot of attorneys have uh, the bandwidth to pay attention to everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so the webinars that we've done have really made us be well-informed and stay on top of all of it. And it's constantly changing. Every morning, I think, oh, well, I should be checking for, for something new. Yeah. Um, and even I don't have the, the time to always do it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, especially, let's go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, especially with COVID happening as well, there's a lot of different things at, at play here. Not only yeah. the laws that passed earlier this year, but now we're also dealing with COVID issues as well. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. to pay attention to, and I think our attention spans are not big enough to, to yeah. see all of it. Yeah, you're gonna be busy this year and next year. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, in an ever-changing environment, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us on Home Hive today. We just, we really appreciate um, everything that you shared with us. We think we really appreciate um, all the work that you're doing um, for your clients across San Diego. Um, I feel like we've only just, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg right now with regards to information. It is a lot. There, There's a lot happening. I mean, especially in this season, so, uh, living through a pandemic where information is changing rapidly, if not every day, even specific to one topic, and then loop on how you're living um, and whether that is as a landlord or as a 
as a renter, there, there's a lot to keep up with. So we really appreciate everything that you're doing. And something that you had just touched upon is your webinars. So in wrapping up, can you share with our guests how they can reach out to your law firm, how they can connect with you? Um, but then also, if there's any other way to learn more about those webinars too? Absolutely. Um, so um, my website is SoCalRealtyLaw.com. And we receive emails directly through the website or someone could, could email me at swelsh at SoCalRealtyLaw.com. Uh, we have all of those prior, the five webinars that we've done are recorded and posted on a private station on YouTube. So we can email the links to those YouTube uh, recordings. And uh, our phone number is 619-232-7325. So feel free to reach out and we'll be happy to share the information. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thanks to both of you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us on Home Hive. Thank you.